he didn't start it, but he capitalized on it. The most ruinous president in history, because Joe Biden's not running anything. Barack Hussein Obama mm -mm -mm, puts the rush into the transhuman experiment, which begins with the transgender lie. Like, like so much in our society, this just vile evil, this affront to God, this assault on children, on families, these mengalas, and yes, 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 that's an apt comparison. These experiments, these eugenics, it is an apt comparison. Like so much, this stuff began with Barack Hussein Obama. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. This week's Partner of the Week are the people behind the scenes. We have a great big announcement coming up in relation to this podcast. And God is so good to us to bring us, podcast family together, and more. I'll tell you about that. The people behind the scenes, there is a company called Major Creative Marketing out of Seattle. And if you are in need of, well, advertising services and, and buying and promotion and securing revenue, Major Creative Marketing can do this for you. They're my dear, dear friends. They are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've known the, the two, two of the principals for a decade they were in a prayer group for my daughter when we really needed it. Uh, there's my friend, Julie Barrett, somehow continues to, uh, to run conservative ladies of Washington. I say somehow because uh, the enemy has been all over she and her family. And she is a warrior. And I am so very, very blessed to call her friend. And she's the one who puts on, not puts on, but does all the work on our events. She does social media for us. Um, she's also been there from the very beginning. So, so happy to call her friends. You know, Dave Parkhurst, Dave, the digital Greenhaven Interactive. Uh, he's the guy who <laughs> went three months ahead of plan to get this podcast rolling. I know this is a long sponsor announcement and we'll get into the depth of the program here, but there's something very big coming up. So I want to make sure that those guys always get the credit because you know, God provides us wise counsel. There, I don't think there is wiser counsel than these people. Matt Walsh did something that the Mockingbird Media could have done, but didn't. He exposed one of many so-called universities who employ profit-driven, power-driven mangalas. And I know, I know the Hitler comparison thing that's supposed to be far too extreme, but just, just answer me this. How is this less, less 
evil. This injection of kids, this, this, this mutilation of their bodies, all chasing a eugenics dream, it is. It's the first step towards transhumanism. That is just divorcing us from our bodies and becoming objects now where we're just walking computer code. And they install in us whatever they want to, whatever they can con us into installing. Ultimately, they don't want us to have bodies. I know that sounds bizarre, but that's what they want. And look, people like this, scientists like this have been around forever because they can, they should. The power madness, the, the psychosis that drives this stuff. How is it different from what Mengele did? He did it in death camps. Okay, fair enough. These guys are doing it in mental death camps. It's, it's far more scalable. It is. It's, it's, it's slicker. Right? They don't have concentration camps. They have mental concentration camps. It's a far, far more effective plan. And it is resulting in deaths. It's resulting in lowered IQs. It's resulting in the inability of people to have children. It's resulting in ruined families. It's resulting in uh, a massive herd of people who will be dependent upon follow-up surgeries and uh, hormone injections for the rest of their lives. After Matt Walsh found out what Vanderbilt University was doing, Vanderbilt didn't just erase the so-called gender medicine portion of their website. They erased their entire website. All of it. You don't do that unless you know you have been caught in a horrific crime. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 in the Holy Bible, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. True. God created man and woman in his image. In his image, he created us. There is nothing about what they have done to children that is anything less than ungodly and evil. Nothing. And yes, it got started. Well, it didn't get started. Gender dysphoria has been around for time immemorial. It was productized and made into a commodity to be bought and sold by the party with the help of some of the most powerful and truly vile, evil people in the history of the world. The Pritzker family, in my judgment, some of the most evil and vile people in the world. And yes, one of them is a governor of Illinois. That's right. The other one is a man who pretends to be a woman, used to be in the military, considers himself transhuman. The Thomas Reuters Foundation, in my judgment, is at the center of this. Pushing this behind the scenes. Well, Matt Walsh has uncovered what Vanderbilt's done, and there's other universities doing it. The University of Washington is a discredited, disgraced medical place. They, they, they were a great hospital when my dad was there. I, I, I would rather eat marbles and, and, and die of malnutrition than go into that place, given what they do. So Vanderbilt strikes down, erases their entire website. Here's why. They did it for money. It starts with money. But as you listen to this, please, please see the comparison with what they did with the COVID flu. 
please see the comparison with what they're doing with the climate catastrophe. Please remember this move when it comes for the food supply because it's coming for the food supply. It's as we've talked about, marketing by terror. None of this stuff is harmless for kids. There's a link in the show notes for the insane harm and irreversible effects of the, what that starts with the puberty blockers. You can read about it. You can read about the lower IQ. You can read about the bone density issues. You can read about the heart issues, the lung issues. They're, they're pronounced as one would expect. You stall the body's development. No, that can't be made up. No, it can't be reversed. Liars. This is Vanderbilt University. They're announcing this exciting new thing. This is a so-called doctor. Shane Taylor is a Joseph Mengele. That's, that's what Shane Taylor is. Shane Taylor is not a doctor. This is not the words of a doctor. Oh, she has the title doctor. She is a mutilator of children. Full stop. This is her announcing this exciting launch of this very profitable enterprise. And then we'll talk about how parents got conned. Because I know people will say, oh, I don't blame the kids. I don't even blame the gender jackers. I blame the parents. Um, this scam, this swindle, this pressure, this evil, th it's thought out, guys. And few and far between are the parents who were armed to be able to know what was going on. That's why I, I'm somewhat frustrated a decade into this, that this is suddenly getting primetime attention. Because I know of lives lost and ruined because no one came to back up parents. And so forgive me for being a little frustrated. Here she is, a so-called doctor, Shane Taylor, in 2018. And listen to her talk about the financial mechanism that got this all started, courtesy of Barack Hussein Obama and Bill Ayers, a terrorist who hates this country. Starting in January 1st of 2017, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. Uh, a patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars because that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Now, these I got from the internet, um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making. And this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. They're saying they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty, but that doesn't include your hospital stay. That doesn't include your post-op visits. That doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's uh, piece of it, which anybody who's ever been in a hospital knows that that's like 10% of it. Uh, and then the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Um, Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics 
where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties, and that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor-intensive, they require a lot of follow-ups, they require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. They're labor-intensive and require lots of follow-ups, yes, <clears throat> because when you make a fake vagina, it is a wound in a body of a person that is never to heal, that becomes constantly infected. Uh, urinary tract infections are going to happen. And it's money. I remember a time when Barack Hussein Obama pretended to care about the cost of health care. But remember, his political career started in the home of a terrorist who hates this country to this day. Barack Hussein Obama may not understand the full effects of this, but he might. Billy Ayers does, in my judgment, because Billy Ayers is a uniquely evil man. This is what happened when there was that Obama, one big blank mistake America. Well, now who's running things? Well, Obama. Because Joe Biden ain't. Remember the swindle, the scam, the money. We talked last week about the total $500,000 bounty on people's heads if you could get them in your hospital and record them as a COVID death. Half a million bucks. Oh, and by the way, that's reducing the population. What else is the transgender lie doing? Oh, that's right. It's reducing the population. Ain't that a who? How do parents, how, how, how do they get into this? How do parents get conned? Uh, we're going to wrap up this hour with the full statement from this young woman. She's one of many detransitioners, it's called. Um, I've been talking with detransitioners for almost a decade. And Chloe got attention. She's a very good speaker. Uh, her voice is smoky and dark because her parents got rolled into putting too much testosterone in her body by oh, a factor of about 4,000%. And yet she's speaking out. Here's how they roll the parents. Then we'll get back to the words of the Joseph Mengele's at Vanderbilt University. I was only 12 years old when I told my parents that I was a boy. Like many parents in that situation, they didn't have a clue what to do. They were scared and desperate for answers. They wanted what every parent wants for their child for me to be okay and thrive. At 13 years old, on the advice of so-called medical professionals, I was put on puberty-blocking medication, and only a month later, I was given my first testosterone injection. The gender clinic presented my parents with the, with the classic false dichotomy regarding children with gender dysphoria. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? <laughs> Given these options, what loving parent wouldn't choose to transition their child? I've had this conversation with probably 20 parents. They go into a place like the utterly disgraced, disgusting, so-called gender clinic at Children's Hospital, a bunch of mangalas, profit-driven mangalas. And it goes like this. They're so relieved to be going into the Children's Hospital because, of course, it's the best cancer clinic in the world for kids. And you know what? It is. Cancer is big money, baby. And look, they saved the family member's life, the cancer clinic. Of course, I'm grateful for that, which is so, so sick that in the other end, they're doing this incredible harm. Here's the, here's the grift. 
the family goes in, they talk as a unit for about 15 minutes. Then the psychiatrist or psychologist, the team, uh, gender therapist, so-called no such thing says, can we speak privately with your child? At that point, the parents leave because it's children's hospital. They're the very best. They love kids. And they listen, they affirm. Kid says, I think I'm a boy. They say, you most certainly are a boy. If it's a girl. Yeah, you certainly are a boy. Absolutely. What name would you like? You should, you should create a name. Do you have a name? Well, let's, let's think of a name. They pop back out. This is exactly what parents have told me countless times. The kid stays in the room. One or two of the professionals, so-called, comes out and they sit down with the parents and they have a grave look on their face and they say, your son, you bring your girl in there, suddenly it's your son. And it goes like this. What I'm about to tell you may be very shocking, but you need to understand something. There is no treatment other than what we're going to tell you. Therapy doesn't help. Nothing helps. The decision you're going to make right now will determine whether your kid commits suicide or not. Your daughter is a boy. This is the name he is going to use. If you do not affirm this, your son will kill himself. And so my question for you is, do you want a living son or a dead daughter? That's the script. That's how parents get rolled. It's children's hospital. Do you see the comparison to the COVID flu? If you don't get your kids injected, they're going to kill your grandma. They're going to kill your parents. Your kids will die. You will die. And when that's not enough, you can't even have your life back until you agree to get injected. So there's the announcement. And it appears that not everyone was wholly excited about this, about having to do this. Not all the doctors were on board. So this is all thought out too, by the way. The approach to this, to dissenters, this is all thought out. One thing I'll give these guys is that they are very, very smart in the terms, in the way this was all created. And it is all encompassing. So I want you to hear what they're doing to conscientious objectors because it starts with a warning from another of the Mengalas at Vanderbilt University. This is the so-called doctor, Ellen Clayton. Well, we'll get to her in a second. But there's another program they put together. It's called the Trans Buddy Program. So-called Trans Buddy. What is it? It's spies. They go around the hospital to make sure that everybody's affirming. I've seen this. I've watched it with parents. Therapy clinics put a gender therapist on board. And if a gender therapist even sniffs that there's a kid there who's become gender rebellious, even sniffs it, senses it. They try to worm their way into the therapy so they can seize control the second a therapist doesn't instantly confirm that a boy is in fact a girl. They'll report them to insurance boards, to management. We have a dissenter. Does this sound familiar? Why aren't doctors speaking out against the shots? Why aren't they telling the truth about the COVID flu? How do people give in to this? Does it sound familiar? 
Does this sound like a godly institution? You know that hospitals began under Christian leadership. They were invented by the Christian church. It is time that the church re-enter the business of healthcare. In fact, it's time, in my judgment, that churches begin to take this over, that churches begin to recognize these institutions are fully and completely captured by pure, unmitigated evil. And to the good people who work in these institutions, because there are many, is it honestly worth your job to sell your soul? I'm begging you to consider this. Is the treasure on earth that you have in the form of your job, is it worth never having heaven? Because if you evolve yourself in this lie, I worry for your soul. I truly, truly do. Uh, another day of the on the weekend, getting these notes from people who are trying bone frog coffee for the first time. And I love it when you tell me this because then I can be on the lookout. <laughs> And I love this because my friend, Tim Cruikshank, uh, the founder of Bonefrog Coffee, and, uh, and a, he's a 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL. I, I love it because I can pop him a note and say, hey, check out this tweet from this person. They're going to be getting the coffee. Tim then always takes note of this stuff. He loves dealing with customers. I don't know how has the time, but he does. He'll take note of that. And that person gets a note, a handwritten note from Tim. Most people do uh, when you buy Bonefrog for the first time because Tim wants that relationship with you guys and with us. So I like this. There's like three instances of this this weekend. Some friends of ours are buying the Bonefrog for the first time. The juggernaut's rolling. I'm telling you, this company's going to go big. And I'm so, so happy that the Lord blessed us with the opportunity to help them get rolling. The coffee is where it's at. It's not about the personality. It's not about the slogan, which is a true thing. It's, it's their belief, God, country, team. It's not about that. It's about the excellence of the coffee. Wouldn't you know it that a Navy SEAL would put a lot of attention into detail? So whether you like the light roast, which is called the Zen roast, and incidentally, don't look past that. It's the only light coffee I've ever dug, and I love it. Or you like this super dark or the Frogman roast. It's all there. There's K-cup, there's espresso, French press, drip, however you take your coffee. And because you're a family member of the podcast, you get 5% off lifetime on a subscription plan so you never run out of bone frog coffee. And yes, proceeds do go back to help the, uh, the, the families of Navy SEALs who decided to make their life something they're willing to give for you, for your life willing to stand between us and evil. It's bonefrog.us. Please remember the .us. That should be easy to do. God, country, team. Bonefrog.us. That's the website that Tim and I have together. That way we track things and we know that we're helping each other out. It's bonefrog.us. So we know how parents get rolled. We know why they uh, were doing this at Vanderbilt, in my judgment. This is why they're doing it. This is why the hospitals are doing it. The, the people like the Thomas Reuters Foundation and the, uh, the self-acclaimed human rights campaign out of San Francisco run by one guy who's a convicted um, child molester, as I recall, and then Pritzker, who fancies himself transhuman, a man who pretends to be a woman, the brother of the, uh, the, 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 the despotic governor of Illinois. Interestingly, a bunch of these families shifted their investments out of hotels and such and into medical devices. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why they did that. So interesting. This is another Mengele, Dr. Ellen Clayton. And she has a warning to the staff at Vanderbilt University. 
If you are going to assert conscientious objection, you have to realize that that is problematic. You are doing something to another person, and you are not paying for the, the cost for your belief. I think that is a real, I mean, I think that's a real issue. So, um, so I think, you know, so you're, so yes, Vanderbilt, if someone has a conscientious objection to pers uh, participating in this sort of surgery, it, it probably have to accommodate you to the extent that you can find another person who can do your job, who doesn't have an objection, other things of that nature. But I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. And, and it should not be without consequences. And I just want to put that out there. We are given enormous, if you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. If you don't want to do this sort of work, don't work at Vanderbilt, says this Mengele, this eugenics for profit, so-called Dr. Ellen Clayton. And incidentally, did you hear her? She started to say, if your conscience is object, and then she stopped herself. If your religious objection, oh, that. The other part of this is, please regard how many people have absolutely been swarmed into living in utter lies. And I'll say it because I just feel so convicted to say it. If we don't stand in truth, if we don't stand in the foundation of truth, which is the word of God, and we do not make that our daily touch point, if we do not make that the thing that we check against, if we do not take every thought captive to Christ, we can fall for this stuff. And the beginning of, of falling for lies ends up in you being unable to tell the truth. That woman just said that people who refuse to do these surgeries are doing something to people. Refusing to do something to a person is doing something to a person. There is none of this that can stand up to even the slightest bit of even casual analysis. The lies stacked upon lies. The fact of the matter is, God is a God of order. Look at the arrangement of the species. Isn't it funny that all the species fit so easily into categories? You have animals that swim. Like they spend their lives underwater or in water. You have animals that swim and give live birth. Oh, they're like mammals. Look at that. They feed their young. You have animals that slither. You have animals that live partly on land, partly in the water. The, the, the categories we've learned our whole life are easily observable. Why is it that almost every species has eyes, two of them, in this sort of placement and breathing nostrils, this, this right, right here, lungs that's, uh, that metabolize this air? It's not just biological. <laughs> when you track back to people's lives falling apart, find the one that didn't involve something that's an affront to the Ten Commandments. Think of the people in your lives you know who've fallen apart. Or think about when your life was out of control. I could think about mine. When my life was utterly out of control, I could think about every big mistake I still pay for today and I can track it back to doing something that was adverse to the word of God. There's not an instance, there's, there's not an example that runs against that. God is a God of order. 
And he's certainly not a God of deceiving people into living in a body which is a rebellion to God. Now think about this, please. Yes, yes, yes. If you got conned into these surgeries or these hormones, the Lord loves you. Yes, yes, he'll forgive you. Absolutely, he'll be delighted to. He wants to adopt you back into the family. Absolutely, he'll welcome you home with great joy. He tells us this so many times in the Bible. The sons, daughters who run away and turn their back on God. Yes, he'll welcome you back. And that body will always be a reminder that you just about trapped yourself into a body. Your very body is a confrontation to a rebellion to God. I am neither man nor woman. Well, that's what they want. So, so clearly do they understand the dynamics around this. And so clearly do they understand that the human heart, the human soul knows this is wrong. That they employ people called trans buddies. And I have experience with this in, in particular, not trans buddies, but, but people who are probably well-meaning young people. You know, I know a family who had their kid in a treatment program and they came home for a home visit. And during that time of the home visit, um, the parents were looking at the kid's cell phone. Kid was at dinner and this message came up on their cell phone and they looked at it and said, what, what is that? What's that? Took a look at the cell phone and there was a therapist from a partnering uh, center. So it's not the center, that not, not, the, not the therapy place the kid was in, but a partnering center where they sort of interacted who was sending this boy trans propaganda and saying, hey, here's how you can get this done. Here's some places you can go to a boy who's in treatment for trying to kill himself, going around the back of the parents because this person was so utterly convinced that they were right. Well, this is what Vanderbilt did. They employed people called trans buddies. And this is very clear. It's like the gender therapist phenomena I discussed that they walk around the hospital to make sure everybody's using the so-called correct pronouns. They sit in every meeting. And incidentally, let's just track this. Do they have, do they have buddies for people who are in there uh, for, for heart attacks? Do they have heart attack buddies? Do they have veteran buddies? Anyone have veteran buddies? So it is another form of we are watching you. And that's exactly why they do this, because they are watching you. My name is Sean Riley, and I'm the program coordinator for TransBuddy at the Program for LGBTQ Health at Vanderbilt University. TransBuddy provides trained peer advocates for transgender patients who are coming for doctor's appointments or other healthcare related services. Whether you're looking for something that's related to medical transition, such as hormone therapy, or something completely unrelated, like breaking an arm or going to an ENT, we are here, here to help support any transgender patients that come through our doors. The TransBuddy program was organically created through the efforts of transgender people and continues to consistently be led by trans people in Middle Tennessee. TransBuddy program is a one of a kind in the nation and institutions are looking to Vanderbilt to replicate and expand programs like ours. We're not seeking to find solutions often for people's problems. We're just seeking to be there and to accompany and to be a friendly face um, and to be a non-medical face in a, in a place where everybody coming in the room is going to be 
a healthcare provider and and may be unsafe. Sometimes I'm there to be um, sort of uh, always observing kind of how hospital staff are um, interacting with individuals. And again, you know, using correct pronouns or treating the individual with respect. Right, because of course, everybody at Vanderbilt prior to that was disrespectful to children. Does any of it sound familiar? Think of the COVID scam. Think of the mask buddies. Think of the people at work saying, I saw Doug and he didn't have his mask on. Think of the pressure campaign around the injections. Before the dictats, remember HR popping by your desk? Hey, how are you? Hi, Michael. How was the weekend? Hey, I wanted to check with you. Um, did you have time to go get uh, injected with the mRNA clot shots yet? Um, you know, we, we are offering days off. Did you know that? Now, I just want to let you know, I, I'm just very concerned about you because I'm vaccinated, so I'm safe. And my injection protects me, but I want you to be protected. And do you remember how that changed? Hi, Michael. Um, so thank you for coming in. Uh, we don't want to make this uh, horribly traumatic. I do not let you know um, that I think you I think you were in the meeting. Were you in the meeting with the CEO? I think you were. Yeah, I think I saw you up front, right? Weren't you there? I think you had coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that we had said that that you're going to be required to get injected? Yeah. Well, um, the reason that uh, corporate HR is here in addition to myself uh, and the lawyers is, well, we're going to need to let you go because you've not gotten injected. Does everybody see the comparison? So Vanderbilt disappeared their entire website, guys. The whole thing. When Matt Walsh's team found this and Matt brought attention to it, disappeared the entire thing, except they forgot something. Oh yeah, they forgot their YouTube channel. Oh, so there is the mobbed up, um, truly sick, vile, evil Mengalas of Vanderbilt University, in my judgment, Children's and Mary Bridge and many other so-called gender clinics that pretend this is all evidence-based. Well, let's, let's compare, shall we? <laughs> Soda Weight Loss at sodaweightloss.com. Let's talk about evidence. When they founded the clinic, I said a clinic, no, it's Soda Weight Loss. I don't think it's a clinic. Soda Weight Loss at sodaweightloss.com. When they founded the business, they came from a healthcare background. So they wanted evidence. They created a thesis. Here's how to help people take unwanted fat off their bodies. If we employ this thesis, here's how much fat they should take off per week. A little bit different between men and women. Men are apparently blessed with the ability to take off more fat more quickly. Sorry, it's not fair. And if we're doing our job the right way, here's how long it should take our clients to lose X amount of weight. They published the thesis in the name of the company. Here's how we do it. They provide people the food at a very, very important step. When you talk with soda weight loss and you talk about the investments you're going to make to drop this fat, remember that you're also going to be having food. That's, that's money you will not be paying for in food. So just mentally keep that in mind. Then they put the practice in. So they started to look at this. Hey, we're we getting our results that we would expect. Yes. In other words, they had P-value. We've been talking about this, the scientific aspect of P-value, prediction value. The predictions were Right. When people live within the program, that's what happens. Then they started to look at a form of peer review. Well, there's Google reviews 
Over 7,000 reviews, average 4.8 out of five stars. That's solid. People are happy. They're keeping the fat off their bodies. Then they looked at growth from one store in Dallas, Texas to seven to suddenly, and it wasn't even, well, I mean, it was like the third store. They started to have people coming in from Oklahoma and Florida and Georgia. And they said, what in the world's going on here? It works. That's what's going on. It's now seven physical locations in Texas, but we're not Texas. A lot of us aren't blessed to live in the Lone Star State. Um, So they took it virtual. You do all this from home. It's all designed specifically for you. And it works for my beloved family member. She is so thrilled. It has worked for countless members of the podcast audience. It's been such a fruitful relationship. It's sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A stands for state of the art. Sodaweightloss.com. So they went through and disappeared the website, the whole thing. And they did that because they didn't want to know about the age of kids on whom they will work and whom they would have done these surgeries. Like, you know, sticking wrong sex hormones into 13-year-olds. Like Chloe Cole, who you're going to hear from in a second. I'm going to play her entire statement because I think it's vital that you hear her entire statement. Matt Walsh writes, But they forgot to delete a video from Vanderbilt Psychiatry's YouTube channel back in 2020, which admits explicitly that they will give and have given irreversible sex hormones, wrong sex hormones, to children as young as 13, right there on their YouTube channel. Interesting. We can provide gender-affirming hormones on an individual who is on a pubertal blocker, depending on whatever kind of blocker they've chosen or we have discussed with them, or they can present to us at a later stage of puberty, and then we provide the gender-affirming hormones. Previously, the Endocrine Society recommended to start these at age 16, but we all know that would be delayed puberty, right? Not 16-year-olds don't start puberty. So more recently, they did update that to say as early as 14 for compelling reasons. So we have some individuals who have started gender-affirming hormones at 13 or 14 to be more like their peers. Again, fertility preservation and consent are very important to discuss prior to any initiation of these. Did you hear that? Fertility preservation and consent are important to discuss. You think kids can consent to anything long-term? Do they have any, they have anywhere near enough wisdom? No, which is why they're role the parents. Fertility, right, it's gonna be ruined. That's why they say it's important to discuss. You'll never have kids. We're gonna destroy that for you. That's not, that's not discussed. They, they talk about it in terms of some, there's a risk, some risk factors. But remember, if you don't do this, your kid's going to kill themselves. But there's some risk factors, but your kid's going to kill himself. Yeah, yeah, there's risk factors, but you're going to come home and find your kids swinging out over the, uh, the, the deck from a rope, from, a, from an extension cord. Yeah, but there's risk factors. But your kid might jump out of the car on the freeway. Yeah, but risk factors. So after all of the drugging, after all of the wrong sex hormones, you better believe they're absolutely happy to pop in and cut off the breasts of adolescent girls. And incidentally, I say things that way and I've had some listeners say, that's rough language. It is. 
I want to tell you why I say it that way. Because kids went through it. And I want people to hear it in its rawest form. Because as members of a society where this is happening, we owe it to the kids who have been put through this to know that grown-up adults have faced it fully. We've not gone through it. We can't feel the physical effects, but we've heard the words as hard as they are to hear. And there's something else that I really must say. I'm a little ashamed. I've taken my trauma from this and installed it in places where it doesn't belong. And I got a talking to by a friend of mine about that aspect of this and about the schools. And I felt deeply convicted. I'll tell you about that conversation because I also came away from it with a lot of hope that there's a major pushback, that God has shown the world the sickness of this. There's a major pushback, but some of it's coming in the best possible form. We're also missing something and all the focus on the gender jackers and the negative and the schools that are in fact trying to turn our kids into angry, drug addicted, racist little sex bots. And there's a lot of schools that are doing that. There's something happening with parents in schools. There's a resurgence. My friend brought this to my attention because she and her husband have put their kids in an enormously cool school and she and her husband will not let something like this befall their children. I was, I was a convicted and B so, so hopeful after she, well, very gently called me to account. This is one more Mangala at Vanderbilt university. This is a plastic surgeon, a so-called doctor, Julian Winokur and physician's assistant Shaylin Vanderblom. And they gave a little speech about how happy they are to remove breasts, which are organs. They're not ornaments. They're not toys. They're not a costume. They're the vehicle through which God Almighty gave women the unbelievable power to provide manna to their kids. Manna from heaven. Food they don't have to go seek. It's right there. You can make food. From your own body, you can make food that comes with immune protection. That gets your kid to a point where they can face the world immediately because you're passing on your immunities. Your T-cells, your crossover immunities. And you're doing this in a way that builds this incredible bond between woman, that is an adult human female, and children. And these surgeons are happy to cut them off of little girls. So when we when we talk about the WPATH guidelines, so in order for our patients to really um, successfully undergo these surgeries, we do, uh, again, follow these guidelines. So a lot of times it's for insurance purposes. um, But again, insurance is kind of follow suit with the WPATH guidelines for the most part. So for any kind of top surgery. Uh, we do require one letter of persistent, well-documented gender dysphoria by a licensed mental health provider. Um, we ensure that the patient is capable of making uh, fully informed decisions on the, their own. They're the age of majority. However, for a lot of our younger patients, um, again, if they are 16, 17 here at Vanderbilt, um, if they have been on testosterone, have a parental consent, Um, we're able to do a lot of the top surgeries for those patients. And Matt Walsh, his reporting is 
kids as young as 13, they'll do this for. Well, rather, they'll do this too. Please see the comparison. I want to get to Chloe Cole's statements, and it is long. It is compelling. Friend of mine, um, I am blessed to be friends with she and her husband. And I see her more often than her husband because I'm a gym rat. And I'd warned some of the parents in Idaho about the creeping in of the same sex ed techniques that they crept in, Trojan horse-alike, in the separate country of Washington State. And there's been some big pushback. The Idaho Department of Health has said, nope, that stuff is a link and a link and a link away. That stuff is not in the classroom. Now, I don't trust the Idaho Department of Health. Why not? Because they pushed the COVID nonsense. Why not? Because they're keeping religious practices or religious visitors out of the prisons. I can't go visit people to mentor them right now because of the COVID flu. Why not? Because they're still pushing the injections. I don't trust them as far as I can throw an eight-story building. But I trust my friend and her husband. And she went and checked with her school. You know what she did? She, she had coffee with the principal. And she told me about it. She said, so I had coffee with the principal. She was so nice in this. Here's what's going on in her school. Sex ed happens one day a year for the young kids. And parents are asked to attend. They send out the curriculum in advance and parents do attend. For older kids, there's longer segments, seventh grade. Younger kids, it's all about how the babies get made. Older kids, they start to delve into good touch, bad touch, lots of abstinence. How to say no to sex. Why to say no? And again, parents are asked to attend. And again, they get the curriculum in advance. And then she told me this. She said, Todd, there's a parent in every classroom, in every class, every day at our school. Every day. We take turns. And I said to her, I hope I didn't cause you embarrassment. And she said, no, but I do think that you, um, and I think she said, and she said it very diplomatically. I think there's people who came from insane parts of the country who moved here. And I think they're packing a lot of that stuff with them. So number one, I felt convicted, but number two, I felt hopeful. These parents are young. This is a young woman. Her husband is a young man. And they've seized control of their kids' education, even in the government schools. And then there's just one other thing. She said to me this. She said, I have to admit I'm feeling a little bit defensive for some of the teachers I work with because I want you to know that they're really good, godly people. They don't want this trash in our schools. They love these kids and they're godly men and women. And there. Want this to change? Yes, attack the evil. Yes, get your kids out of the government schools. If you live in the cities like Seattle or, or Portland, they're gone. There's no safety. Yes, there's some decent teachers. Get your kids out. If you live in a community that still has a whole bunch of decent teachers, back them up. I beg you to send thank you cards. I beg you to stand on their side, to applaud their work. Why? Because the party will back the gender jackers. They will give them attention. They'll give them awards. They'll make them feel protected. And people are saying, well, wait a minute. 
My so-called Christian friends aren't with me. All these other people are giving me these awards and this attention. Where are my Christian friends? Let us be the people who find the good, solid, godly teachers in schools. Stand with them. Let them know that we're standing with them. I was so proud of our church. We put up a huge thank you card to teachers who attend our church, a very biblical church, a very God-driven church, God-centric, Bible-centric, and let them know that we appreciate that and we stand with them. This is a little bit longer clip than I would normally play. I ask you to listen to the whole thing. This is a young woman whose parents were told, if you don't get your kid shot up with wrong sex hormones, she's going to kill herself. Do you want a living son or a dead daughter? They went through the pressure campaign. They went to the very best medical professionals and the very best medical professionals told her there's no cure for gender dysphoria. Therapy doesn't work. Nothing works. Only hormones and surgery will save your kid. She's been the subject of a hit piece published in Forbes that took her to task for being autistic. Yes, they attacked her for being autistic. As if being autistic means you can't be intelligent, which is nonsense. You speak of anti-science. I so hope that the Lord will draw this young woman to himself because she is doing work for the Lord. I hope she knows the Lord. I don't know that to be the case. Her name is Chloe Cole. And wouldn't you know it? Marjorie Taylor Greene brought Chloe out to make this statement. Over the past decade, there has been as high as a 4,000% increase in children being referred to so-called gender clinics across the United States. I was one of these children. My name is Chloe Cole, and I'm an 18-year-old former transgender child. I transitioned from the age of 12 up until 16 when I realized it all was a lie. My story is cautionary tale. Children and parents across the country have been caught off guard by gender ideology. Discussions about gender, transgenderism and gender identity went from being a relatively benign social oddity to a doctrine as invaded nearly every academic, medical, and educational institution, seemingly overnight. How did we get to this point? How did we get to the point where nearly every pediatric institution in the country considers it best practice to remove the healthy breast tissue of children while administering drugs typically used to chemically castrate high-risk sex offenders. Raising these important questions is not bigoted, and the refusal of activists to give straightforward answers should be seen as a major red flag. People across the entire political spectrum who believe that this practice is morally wrong have been told that they are fascists or bigots for even questioning this atrocity. Others have been convinced by self-proclaimed gender specialists that this is the only treatment that will not end in your child committing suicide. I believe Americans deserve to know the truth about this radical and perverse ideology marketed as necessary and life-saving health care. I was only 12 years old when I told my parents that I was a boy. Like many parents in that situation, they didn't have a clue what to do. They were scared and desperate for answers. They wanted what every parent wants for their child, for me to be okay and thrive. At 13 years old, on the advice of so-called medical professionals, I was put on puberty-blocking medication, and only a month later, I was given my first testosterone injection. The gender clinic presented my parents with the, with the classic false dichotomy regarding children with gender dysphoria. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? <clears throat> Given these options, 
What loving parent wouldn't choose to transition their child? Scared for my life. My parents were prepared to sign anything the doctors asked. This was not, con that, this was not informed consent. It was a decision forced under extreme duress. At 15, I went under the knife for a radical double mastectomy, the kind that breast cancer patients get. This was after I was sexually assaulted at school by a male student. I, I just told myself to man up, but I lived my life in constant hatred of my breasts. I started binding, which deformed my breasts as well as my ribcage. I was afraid and I couldn't wait to finally protect my body from the threat of further molestation. At 16, I finally realized what happened to me, that I had made a huge mistake. I realized the beauty of motherhood was stolen from me by medical professionals who my family entrusted me to. I realized after maturing a bit more that a child does not in fact know who they are at 12 years old. I realized that I wanted to be what I always was and forever will be, a woman. With this realization came a series of challenges that were far worse than the transition. Somehow, I had to get myself off these drugs and tell everyone in my entire life that I was not who I said I was. My parents were shocked and felt like they failed me on every level imaginable. My friends all turned against me because I was evidence that their beliefs were a lie. I was a joke. I was a fraud. I was many years behind in development, incapable, in feeding, of, incapable of feeding my future children, and worst of all, completely alone. Even the medical professionals who got me into this mess now have no idea what to do with me, and they refuse to help me. It almost killed me, as it has killed many who regret transition. The big question still remains. I was a 12-year-old introduced to the idea that they could do something as ridiculous as change their sex. I was and still am the type of kid that never really fit into social norms. I was a tomboy, I was shy, I didn't socialize easily. At 11, I made my first Instagram account. I had unmonitored internet access. It wasn't long until I was exposed to a ton of LGBTQ content online. And I, I had never seen anything like it. You mean that all I have to do is subscribe to this ideology and then I'm an accepted, celebrated and valued member of the most talked about community on earth? Transgender people are the most celebrated subset of this community. I saw the unbelievable amounts of praise and, and attention they got online and subconsciously I yearned to have a piece of it. With every milestone in my medical transition, I was given more and more attention and celebration. It was the ultimate high. Even in person, I got more attention. Girls would have crushes on me and I would have people come up to me in the hallways asking to make friends and it was, it was unprecedented to, for me. I felt like a celebrity. Being a kid, I, I didn't know just how superficial these relationships were until they all suddenly abandoned me just for struggling to become who I am. Much of this gender confusion is based on old regressive stereotypes of men and women, which are now being reinforced with hormones and surgeries. Women can have short hair and be interested in playing sports and partaking in physical activities. Men can grow their hair out and wear makeup. It does not change their, their, it does not change their biology. The truth is, this practice is harming more and more children every day. What will we do to protect this most vulnerable group? Up until now, the media has been parroting the same ideologically driven, driven talking points. Affirm, affirm, affirm. The closest I've touched to mainstream media is a Forbes journalist who wrote a hit piece on me calling basic human biology transphobic. 
there are many detransitioners speaking out, and they are ignored by the institutions most responsible for the search of truth. Up until today, most politicians on the left and right have done nothing but get into Twitter fights on this issue. There is no second chance at childhood, so we must do our best as adults to guide our children to pathways that lead to healthy bodies and minds instead of depression and disfigurement. No child deserves to suffer under the knife of a gender-affirming surgeon. America's children, all children, deserve better. Thank you. And from Vanderbilt University. We ensure that the patient is capable of making uh, fully informed decisions on the, their own. Starting in January 1st of 2017, according to the Affordable Care Act, insurance cover carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, starting a couple years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. And that's how they did it. <clears throat> and that's how they repeated it with the COVID flu. And what's coming is the food supply. Watch. Same thing, behavioral kill shoots, threats, marketing by terror, appeals to authority, credentialism. Please remember this, God is not a God of disorder, nor is he a God of shortages. He's the same God who brought manna from heaven. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be prayerfully supportive of people who work in these fields and are standing up. Let them know that we stand with them. Pray for them. Unceasingly pray for their protection and that the Holy Spirit will guide them.